You are listening to African Father in America podcast by Simon Javano Kelly live from Seattle, Washington, USA. Uh, thank you so much for joining us for the African Father in America podcast. This is episode 294. We are so close to uh, 300. And uh, I have a really, really special guest here uh, that is going to join us in just a second. My name is Simon Okelo, and uh, I am the host of the African Father in America podcast. And we are broadcasting this from Seattle. Uh, we do this Monday to Friday, 6 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And uh, I'm here really with someone I have so much love and respect for. Uh, we are here with Queen Smith, who is an amazing, incredible leader. Uh, you know, Queen is now uh, the VP uh, at uh, Citibank. You know, uh, I can't remember exactly which part of Citibank. Agile coach at Citibank. <laughs> you love to talk about that yeah. for a moment for me to even have a deeper understanding. But the work you've done in the community, the work you did to support me with Africa Day uh, in 2021 was incredible. Uh, and, you know, you, 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 you are a, you're a leader, you're a community leader in so many different ways. Uh, so I can't wait for us to go deeper into that. But go ahead and say hello to everyone. Hi, everyone. It's a complete honor to be here today. Thank you, Simon. And I count this the utmost honor because I totally respect you and I think you're a leader in the community so thank you for this opportunity of course of course thank you again uh, for everything that you do uh, for those who are joining us for the first time we are going to talk about an amazing proverb and our proverb today is from Ghana uh, so if you know someone from Ghana or if you're from Ghana uh, this is a conversation that you need to pay attention to uh, and the proverb itself says that uh, the proverb says that even even the lion, the the king of the forest, protects itself from flies. Even the lion, the king of the forest, protects itself from flies. We are going to talk about three nuggets that this proverb, uh, you know, that this proverb is trying to tell us. You know, we are going to talk about three things. I see that people are joining us on Clubhouse. Thank you, Steve, for joining us. Uh, and also feel free to ping other people to join us for today's conversation. So uh, my team and I prepared three nuggets that I want to share quickly before bringing Queen uh, so that Queen can also share her own perspectives in regards to uh, what this proverb really means. Uh, the first nugget of wisdom uh, that we prepared here for you says that don't be too arrogant or prideful because you can always be taken down a notch, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, don't be too arrogant or prideful because you can always be taken down a notch. Uh, number two, stay humble uh, and stay focused on what's important. And then number three, be aware of your surroundings and who you are around. Mm -hmm. Because not everyone has your heart or not everyone has your best interest at heart. Not everyone has your best interest at heart. So whenever you are anywhere, just, you know, uh, heighten your sense of awareness. 
So those are the three nuggets of wisdom that were inspired by this Ghanaian proverb. Uh, the proverb itself, itself says that even the lion, the king of the forest, protects itself from flies, against flies. So I want to invite Queen to also speak on this proverb uh, a little bit before we continue on with our conversation. Uh, Queen, uh, I would love to give you the microphone so that you just uh, share with us when you received this proverb, what is it that came to your mind? Wow, such a good proverb from Ghana. This is the first time I'm actually hearing this one. Even the lion, the king of the jung jungle, protects itself from flies. I think of maybe from the perspective of the fly, I mean, they affect humans, all kinds of things, and even lions, they're not afraid of it. I think the wisdom of this proverb is saying there are some things in life that we're not immune to just because of our status, right? Uh, just because you're king, queen, leader, there's just some things that don't recognize your status and you need to find ways to protect yourself and not think you're immune to it. And so that's what it really speaks out uh, to me because there are things in this world that affect the rich, the poor, affects kings and regular people every day. So in a sense, your status does not immune you from certain things and you need to make preparations and not think that just because you're here and this and that, that some things will not affect you. So yeah, you have to have that wisdom to uh, be able to self-guard yourself from certain things. I agree 100%. Uh, I agree. And as you are speaking, I was just reminded of climate change, you know. Uh, yeah. You know, some people think that it won't affect them. And then when it floods is when they realize that, oh, climate change is so close to home that yeah. I should have been doing something about it, you know. Yes. <laughs> right, 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 right. Anyway, we are being joined here by amazing uh, friends and family on Clubhouse and also on YouTube. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to the channel uh, on YouTube, this is a good time for you to do that. Uh, and also, if you're on Clubhouse, if you haven't followed me or followed the African Father in America Club, this is a good time for you to do that. But most importantly, if you're listening to our conversation and you have something that you'd like to also contribute, join us on Clubhouse on the stage and also share in the comments on, on, on YouTube. Let us know what is it that... Uh, this proverb means to you or what is it in this conversation that is moving you to an extent that you want to say something you know this is this is an open seat we will talk about open seat in just a moment which is something incredible that queen also founded um uh, you know I'm, I'm just so proud of the work that you do uh but yeah. You know, I ask this next question to all the guests that I host here in the African Father in America podcast, uh, because I, I know that ev everybody, similar to how you always say that everyone has a story, <laughs> uh, I know that everyone came from somewhere, you know. <laughs> uh, so yes. since all of us came from somewhere, we all have a journey of events that led us to where we are today. We all have events that continue motivating us. Even when we wake up, we think, we reflect to that moment and we say, if I could do this at that time, why can't I do this, deal with this challenge now? You know, uh, for me, when I was eight, my mother gave me a bicycle and 
I became a distributor of milk and bread in our neighborhood, you know. And I would wake up so early, you know, 2 a.m. most of the time, 4 a.m. And so having a show that starts at 6 a.m. is no problem, you know, <laughs> because I grew up, you know, with a hardworking mother who was not only mobilizing the community to transform our community, but also creating business people, creating entrepreneurs and putting money in the hands of young people, you know, instead of training young people how to be thieves and uh, pickpockets, which a lot of other women did in our community. We grew up in the ghetto, you know. But I know, Queen, you also have your own story of what drives you. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I also know that you are an incredible storyteller, so take your time and share with us what is it that happened when you are younger that really drives who you are today? Yes, okay, I believe this... Uh, when I was around nine or ten, I grew up in a polygamous home in West Africa, Cameroon. West Africa, Cameroon. My father had multiple wives, eighteen plus children. I have to say plus because I don't think I've met all of them yet, and I want to make sure that they're honored. Um, one of the things that my siblings and I, especially the women, my sisters, uh, used to do is wake up every other day and go to the well and get water, like in the hot sun barefoot and it was such an experience um we would go and get our water for the day and then we would come back even though my father was wealthy he still treated the way he raised us was so that we didn't become proud or felt entitled so we still had to go get our water and things like that so we'll always come back from the well and every time we come back from the well my sisters would go and play you know and i would sit at the top we call it the veranda when i was in cameroon of our compound and my dad would be downstairs playing this instrument i think i was nine or ten so i don't quite remember if this was the name it was called njang we called it njang it was like woods and then it was held by banana uh, uh, stalks or something like that it's really cool but in my culture only men were allowed to play it you know my father was such a charismatic guy that he would have parties all the time so every day or every other day when my sisters and i would go to the well and come back they would go off and play and do girl stuff like i would say and i would just stand at the top and watch my father play that instrument and one day he saw me watching him and he said do you want to play and i said i I don't know because i was a little girl and i was like i I don't know can i play he said no do you want to play and i said yes so um what happened is every time we'll go to the well i'll bring the water back and he would teach me how to play the instrument so one of the parties that my father threw um in our compound everyone came and he surprised me and he was boasting amongst the men that you should watch my daughter play this instrument. Oh, she's so amazing. And everybody was so shocked because it was a guy thing to do, right? And so he calls me in the middle of this crowd of men and we sit there, he has one side of the instrument and I have the other side and we're playing it and we're totally jamming and rocking the whole party. But some of the men grew irritated because I was a little girl playing the instrument. And my father told me while we were playing together, don't listen to their voices, keep playing, put your head down and keep playing. 
And, uh, but their voices grew louder. One guy in particular said, it's not acceptable. Not only is she a girl, but she's so young. My father stopped playing and he said, is she your daughter? And he said, no. And he said, if I want her to play, she will play. There was just something about that moment that was so validating that I felt like even things in life that they say we can't do or women can't do or you can't do it because of this, if you have that desire and that uh, nature to want to do it, you should pick it up and do it. So um, don't listen to those voices, the criticism, if that's something that you really desire. And that's how I operate my life now. Um, even in my career, the rooms that I go into, it's like, Queen, you're curious. You have this desire to do it. And because you have this desire and you know you can do it well, you belong here. And that was when I was nine. And I try to operate life that way because there are a lot of things that I'm curious about that life says, no, you can't do it. But I just think back at that moment. That's so incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I can I I literally uh, felt like I was there in that moment. Do you still play this instrument, Queen? No, because <laughs> we don't have it here. Yeah, America, we need to get but... it to you. <laughs> we need to get it to you. Uh you you see my nyatiti behind me. Yes. Yeah, we need to so we, <laughs> we need to get you one of these things. <laughs> I think it would be a grounding treatment for me if I was to have yeah. something like that in my house. Like, yeah. I, I think it would be awesome. Yeah, you know, as you are speaking, it, oh, I, I thought a lot about my own journey with Nyatiti, this music instrument, you know. Um, a lot of the time, uh, you know, many people who have played it for a long time, when they saw me playing it, and not just at home, and me, I was, I'm a Luo too, I'm a Luo, and this instrument is a Luo, it's a tribal, it's played mm -hmm. by our tribe. But a lot of people are like, who is this guy? Why is he playing it? Why is he playing it this way? Why is he not playing it the way we are playing it? Uh, and where did he come from, you know? So uh, I'm just so encouraged by, you know, people like your dad. They are the people that actually keep the culture alive by passing on the knowledge uh, to the next generation and by also defending women, you know. Mm -hmm. And if young girls see that they're being defended at that age, then they learn how to defend themselves, they learn yeah. how to defend other people. But also that's exactly what you ended up doing, uh, not just um, in the community, but also in your career. I want us to talk about some of the highlights of your career uh, of course, I want us to talk about Africa Day, you know, uh, because I feel that we work together so closely to organize Africa Day last year. Uh, but also, uh, I know that you founded Open Seat, uh, you know, over six years ago. Uh, and uh, you are a true believer that everyone is a storyteller. And, um, and also that it's difficult to share uh, our stories, you know, a lot of the time. Mm -hmm you know, there's no love in our communities. Uh, yeah. And uh, we feel that our story is not, does not have space where it can mm -hmm. safely be shared, you know. And so I really commend you for creating a space where not just our stories, but women are given a space to share their stories. So uh, I, I just, I just loved, I was listening to another podcast in preparation for our show today. And uh, the host asked you, 
why is it that you are just focusing on women when it comes to your organization open seat and uh, your response was really great you are like i want to stick with my anointing uh, and uh, and stay focused to supporting the ladies let's talk from yeah. that point let's talk <laughs> No, absolutely. I, I feel like, I mean, I, no matter how much I try, I can't be a man, right? And I feel like men do need support in, in certain areas, but I feel like as a woman, I've experienced things that women go through and I feel like I can create that space um, for women to come and fill the community and safety to share their story. Um, not that men are being excluded, I want to also honor them in the fact that I might not understand some of the angles that they're coming from. We've actually discussed my husband and I, if he wants to do something for the men um, because he's a man and I'll do something for the women. I think that's the, the best space to be in. Um, I do speak in different conferences that men are also part of, but like when it comes to open seat, it is like strict, it's been strictly <laughs> for women um and um but i've also thought about the different storytelling aspect pa parts and how i want to branch it out in the future some men might be included in in the interview process of open seat some of the things that i want to do in the future but when it comes to like the table gatherings and the unfiltered sessions the wisdom sessions i think that um uh women are my are my jam <laughs> I, I i agree i don't dispute that uh, and uh, uh you know i i love what you do and i encourage you to continue doing it uh, and you've done it for so long you know it reminds me so much you know it's an intimate space you know just based on my mm -hmm. research i saw uh, open seat as an intimate space where you know you you know you don't only get healing through the food that you eat through the conversations that you participate in but you are uplifted by by what people say uh mm -hmm. you know and um i want you to talk to us about why why you founded open seats you know yes. uh and also well let's talk about that for a second let's talk about that yeah. for a second uh i want to connect it to something else <laughs> So um, moving from Africa, uh, from Cameroon at the age of 13, I come from a huge community and um, where everybody's engaged, the village really raises you. And um, coming to America, it's, it's a beautiful place to live, but you can live in this country and not even know your neighbor and or not even have connection. Or if somebody says, how are you? They're already down the street on the third block walking, right? and not even hearing your response. So I went through a lot of like ups and downs when I had my daughter and she's also special needs. And, um, or even when I go to like different events and speak, women will always come to me and talk about how lonely they feel. But the, the scary thing about those events was that those women came with other women, right? They, they didn't come to the event alone. The paper probably came with like five friends. And during our one-on-ones, it's always, oh, I feel so lonely. I don't have anybody to connect with. And I felt like connection is not necessarily about having a group of people around you because you can have friends but not feel connected to them. So how can I create a space 
that people can come and not only belong, but to be seen and also loved. And um, stories are such a healing aspect because when people are heard about who they truly are, it opens like a different avenue of connection. Um, my father was an incredible storyteller, 18 plus children. There's no way that you can bond with 18 kids one-on-one. -on -one. So he would use storytelling to teach us about where he came from or who he was as a little boy. Because growing up in Africa, you just think your parents fell from the sky, you know? They're so huge and grand. So my father would tell us stories about his childhood around the fire while we ate food. So it was just that concept of saying, this is who I am at the core of me and then accepting that person as who they are. So that's why we created Open Seat and we definitely wanted it to be an intimate space for people to come and to share parts of themselves that they want to share without it being controlled. You're allowed to be who you are here. That's so incredible. That's so incredible. It reminds me of uh, an, an African dinner series that I've been organizing here in Seattle for like since 2016. And uh, I didn't know the impact that this dinner series was having on people's lives until mm -hmm. I was asked to go and, and uh, you know, and marry a couple that met at this dinner series, you know. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And That's it so was cool. a... I know, I know it was, and I know you've also done ceremonies like that. In yes. fact, I missed you in Seattle just by a, a whisker. Yeah, uh, that and... was one of the girls that used to come to Open Seat too, and I officiated her wedding. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, talk about the, 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 the power of uh, these kind of gatherings, because it's not new, you know, uh, considering, mm -hmm. considering, you having grown up in a polygamist family i grew up in a polygamist family too you know and uh i i'm sure my father had almost the same number of children as your father <laughs> yes. and uh you know i i definitely have so much love and respect for my father because i don't even know how he did it you know mm -hmm. i have three girls now and as you're talking of the value of storytelling telling your children's stories I do that all the time. In fact, last mm -hmm. night, uh, I didn't want to tell a story. And uh, my second born daughter was telling me, why, why? I can't sleep well if you don't tell me a story, you know? And then I was telling her, you know, stories come from a deep spiritual place. Sometime uh, I don't want to tell you a story because it will not be, it will not come from the right place, you know? And then she said, okay, I understand, I understand, you know. <laughs> and so for me, for a five-year-old mm -hmm. to actually be able to understand and, and you know, and feel, you know, uh, mm -hmm. is, is great for me. For, for her to just allow me to, to be with her. Let's just be and not yeah. tell stories today. So today I owe a few stories, not just one, yes. but <laughs> I'll be telling more stories today. A couple of them. Yeah, yeah. But let's talk about the power of these kinds of gatherings and why they're valuable here in the diaspora, because a lot of the time uh, we, we, we neglect the need uh, for community, especially in intimate settings, and also the result of what they can bring uh, to the larger community. So I want you to speak to that and then slowly segue into how did you use this kind of community building 
skills and gifts that you have to get to your, the the great jobs that you have you're now the vp at citibank and i think the village kind of took you there <laughs> yes no absolutely you know open seed has been such a blessing because it's so nostalgic for me and um making me feel like i'm home away from home and and watching the women grow and receiving freedom maybe it's something that they have not shared in a long time or maybe something that they didn't even know how to express right and having that avenue for people to say we're making room for you when somebody comes to open seat um, we actually paused because of the pandemic um we paused because of that because i didn't know how to really not do it face to face i struggle with that because that was one of our core values but we're about to pick pick it back up but having these women come and not being pressured we've had women that have come and said i don't feel like sharing my story and we've said okay it's fine do you would you like some food you know and we fed them they keep on coming and then one day they come and say i'm ready to talk now it's just because we made space for them we've had so many amazing stories i've officiated weddings I have um, mentored people that are getting married or having babies just from this community. We had a very, very powerful story that happened to, uh, from two women from the continent. They, they were, they were, their parents were best friends when they were four, but they didn't know that. But they found that out at Open Seat through the stories that they were telling. Uh, one left Angola to go to Zambia because of the war that was happening and the other girl was Zambian, and they found that at open seat that they were playing at four years old together. I don't know how that could happen. I, in America, thousands of miles away. And so it's just powerful things like that. And having one had lost the mother years ago, and one still has the mother in New York. And now because she was the mom's best friend, she's now basically a mother figure. It's It's just amazing how when you create space for community, how people, even old friendships from 20 years ago can reconnect or 30 years ago can reconnect. So it's been a huge blessing and having people unpack because the thing about storytelling is subtraction, right? It's not about adding to it, it's taking pieces of you and sharing in a targeted way so that you can be known and seen. So also teaching women how they can share their stories with relevance and how they can look at their own story and inspire themselves because we read autobiographies and we get inspired by these people. But what about the things that you have survived, the things that you have embraced, the journey that you've been on? How about you also inspire who you've become through it all, but we don't look at it that way. We don't look at our stories and be in awe about all how far we've come, especially if we have not arrived where we want to go. We just discredit everything. So um, just creating that space has helped me and has helped other people. Right, right. You know, uh, the way you say things is really, really why you are a leader, you know, <laughs> because uh maybe eight weeks ago or more we we connected i i think it was here on clubhouse uh 
and you said at the end of what, what whatever statement you're saying you said you know Simon one day you're going to employ us you know <laughs> yes. and then i was like you know how can she say that and she's a vp at citibank how can she say that and she works at deloitte how can she say that and she's this you know amazing leader in the tech community and uh, i felt so motivated after that you know i felt like okay let me keep moving because there's something in what i'm doing that is valuable to queen you know mm-hmm. and i feel like you have that effect on people so i want you to just imagine that you're talking to a bunch of african girls who have a lot of admiration for what you've accomplished in terms of your career because work and how much you make is really really important uh mm-hmm. here in america and in yeah. the world it gives you independence it gives you freedom it gives you an opportunity to even travel i know you love yes, traveling you know I love to travel. <laughs> yeah I'm going so to Belize in two weeks. <laughs> look uh so talk about that talk about how you actually uh hustled to get your first corporate job in the tech community and how that's led to your current vp role at citibank oh wow it's been a journey um I got into a project management first, just like as an associate project manager, because my husband actually convinced the nonprofit to hire me. I had just received a degree in psychology, my bachelor's in psychology, but there's nothing you can do with that. I actually wanted to be a counselor. So my husband was working for this nonprofit and he said, hey, my wife needs a job. And they said, well, we have something for her. She can come in. And so I got my job because he convinced these people And then years after we decided to relocate to Dallas and um, Dallas, Texas, two hours away from where we were, but the market was super competitive um, as a project manager or even as a junior project manager. So um, I really couldn't go that path anymore. I interviewed for a company. Um, they filled that position internally. And then they asked me if I was interested in this tech a transition that they were trying to do at that time and I said yes I just need a job I need to pay my bills um and went into that um learned a lot about agile right um that's where I actually got introduced to agile uh which is a little bit different from project management and um decided to learn everything that I needed to know but it's so funny cuz in our community or at least how I, I decided to grow up I didn't feel like money was important I just thought As long as you have love and life, everything is good. We don't need anything. My husband and I were doing a lot of outreach work. We wanted to be social service people, and it's a great thing. I used to say money's not important. All you need is love. Fine. Yeah. So, um at that job I learned a lot about agile, but I did not know my value, right? I I didn't know how much these people were getting paid. So one day I went on to a meetup because I was trying to learn more about my job and I met somebody at Goldman Sachs that did the same thing that I did but was getting paid three times more. And I was like, "Wait a minute." But I still told myself, "You know, money is not important as long as I'm happy and fulfilled, everything is fine." Fast forward 2014, we had my daughter, we had our daughter. And a year after she was born, she started having some major health issues. I think that's the time that I realized that oh money is important. Um you don't let money run you, but the medical bills were piling. 
Um, she was seeing doctors that did not take insurance. Um, our conversation in our home switched from, oh, how are we going to rest today to how are we going to pay this medical bill, right? And so I realized that money is just a tool. It's, it's not something bad. It helps you. It can help me pay my daughter's bills. It can help me provide the best life for my daughter because even doctors said she was not going to walk. But if she was here right now, you would see her running around. Uh, she's eight now. They told her she was not going to walk. So it was a lot of things like that. So I decided that, okay, how do I use the skills that I have and demand to be paid what I'm valued, right? I had conversations with our, my organization, found some mentors that did give me a couple of raise, but it was still like, no, once you accept less, people think they can always give you less, right? Uh, for some reason. So when I left that organization and went to aerospace industry, by that time, I don't, I'm not trying to be funny. I started thinking like my father. I started saying, you're worthy. You can do this. You can do anything you put your hands to. You deserve to be in this room just as much as other people deserve to be in here. So when I went to ELF3, I demanded what I wanted to, to get paid. And I had a repertoire of things that I had done in my previous companies, how I had delivered because in the agile space we work in delivery tech delivery so if someone wants to deliver something or see something come to life we help streamline that process so i had a portfolio even though i wasn't getting paid what i was deserved when i went to l3 it was this is what i can do for you and this is what i want to get paid but my daughter was a huge motivation for me climbing that corporate ladder and they were like, yep, we think you're worth that. I worked there and then I got, I didn't even apply for Deloitte and I did not apply for City at all. Cause I mentor a lot of women in the tech spaces and everyone asked me, why are you not charging this women? I say, I feel like my blessing comes in another way. Um, it might not come from their money, but it will come somewhere else. And I think that because I do that and I don't charge people, I've been able to excel in my career like the blessings have come in a different way so after working at l3 deloitte reached out to me i i never applied for them and they were like hey we want to bring you on as a senior consultant and i was like okay so i went to deloitte i worked there for two years as a senior consultant um did a lot of good work with them even when i wanted to leave they still tell me to today you know there's something called deloitte boomerang if you need to come back there's room for you um did great work there everywhere i go i try to live an impact that they will remember me um, all of my directors there are connected with me um, i have somebody that just left has gone to another company and the first thing they did when they took over a department was call me and say what do you want to get paid? I want you to come work for me. And I, I, I just can't because I started City. Then I did not apply for City. City reached out to me and said, we have this VP position for Agile Coach and we can get a good fit. And I laughed. I was like, oh, sure. <laughs> and did the interview. I had one interview with six individuals and and they told me there was going to be another interview. And they called me the next week and said, we want you. They, I didn't have the second interview. We think you're the person for the job. And I gave him a high number because I was actually trying to deflate and say, I don't think this is for me. I'm not cut out for this. It's too soon. And so I tried to like hit them with a high pay and they were like, yep. 
we'll pay you that. And so uh, three months after I'm here and I think it's just how I support other people. I'm, a gate, I'm not a gatekeeper. I don't stop other people. I know so many people that are trying to come into tech and if I have the ability to help them, I usually help them for free. And I just feel like my blessings are coming in different ways, whether it's me not applying for jobs and getting approached. So incredible. So incredible. Uh, I'm just so grateful. Our proverb today says that even the lion, the king of the forest, protects himself against uh, flies. And the story you shared with us, uh, how you actually had to protect yourself against the pressure of these medical bills by improving your income and mm -hmm. uh, protecting your daughter uh, is really yeah. so aligned with today's proverb, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I want you to take a few notes. Let's listen to a few of our friends who have joined us for our, this conversation and uh, then you'll reflect on what they have to say. So we'll just focus on everyone who has joined us on the stage uh, for those who are joining for the first time, thank you so much. We are recording this as episode 294 of the African Father in America podcast, which is available across all podcasting platforms. But imp importantly, um, a couple of things. One, we are live on YouTube. If you haven't subscribed, uh, this is a good time for you to do that. Two, uh, the African Father in America podcast is a five-star rated podcast on Apple, you know, and that is because of your listenership and uh, many of you listen to the show on Apple long after we broadcast it, including myself. When I'm driving, I'm always listening to the shows with my daughters, so uh, they've really become my biggest fan. And whenever we are driving, instead of music, now they ask me, what is the proverb for today? And instead of saying it, I just play the episode, you know. <laughs> so I thank you all for doing that. So if you have uh, an iPhone or if you have access to Apple Podcasts, that's a really good place to support the show. Subscribe there and rate the show while you are at it. Now, uh, let's bring on Stephen. Stephen, where are you joining us from? And... Uh, what is it about this conversation that moves you? And also, what do you think of today's proverb from Ghana? Even the lion, the king of the forest, protects himself against flies. Okay, Steve might be far away from his mic, so we'll go straight to Lavender. Lavender, how are you? And uh, what are your perspectives on the proverb and the conversation we are having with Queen? Thank you so much. Hi, Simon. Um, hi, Queen. It's amazing to hear your story. And I, I, I'm still I'm still taking that all in. My um, thoughts about today's proverb, even the lion, the king of the forest, protects himself against flies. Um, Simon, you earlier shared a nugget that I'd like to repeat. Um, this proverb uh, stresses the need to take care of yourself mentally and physically and emotionally in order to truly thrive in life. I'll leave it at that. Thank you so much, Simon. 
Wonderful. Thank you, Lavender. I appreciate you being here. Hey, Stella. Uh, let's see. Let's see who's next. I think it's I think it's Brother Art. Brother Art, how are you doing? Share with us your perspective on the proverb and also where you're joining us from today. Thank you so much. Peace and love, family. It's Brother Art. I'm in the North Carolina territory. And um, again, love the conversation. Uh, sometimes it's amazing how much inspiration you can squeeze together in a week, Simon. Some of the interviews you pull off. And, you know, to hear her journey from her humble beginnings and to her, you know, having to evolve and, you know, forcing herself to evolve for her daughter. You know, there's so much inspiration in that, and it really uh, lit up my day. And when I look at the proverb, one way I can look at it, it, it I could say, you know, the small things add up. And the, the saying that they said for that, you know, about the, the straw that broke the camel's back. And um, my pops used to all the time, another way, or you could look at it, it could be positive because my pops used to all the time tell a story about this friend he had. Uh, the friend was a bricklayer. And he used to uh, take two bricks home with him from work every day. So after 20, 30 years of working for the, uh, you know, laying bricks, bringing the uh, bricks home every day, when he uh, finally retired or finally built his dream home, he had enough brick to brick it in for free because he took two home for free every day. So, you know, the little things do add up. And um, like I said, it could be for the good or bad. It all just depends. And I park my plane right there. Peace and love. Brother Thank you, brother. Uh, I'm, I'm just grateful for the stories you share every day. You, 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 you are much like me. You know, you always... Uh, have like two minutes, but you leave us with something uh, unforgettable. Hey, Stella, how are you doing? Where are you joining us from? And also, what are your perspective on uh, the proverb or the conversation with Queen? Thank you so much. Thank you, Hello, everyone. This is Stella. Uh, I think today's proverb is speaking powerfully about uh, mental health. Uh, can you hear me, Simon? It's not so clear, Stella. I don't know why. Maybe, maybe you want to uh, try. Let's try one more time. Okay. Can you hear me now? It's a little better. Keep going. In a attachment. Very nice. Very nice. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, I was saying that the proverb speaks powerfully about mental health and. Uh, why we need to protect our mental health and we should make it a priority because uh, i think today in today's world if you don't if you don't focus on your mental health then you risk losing it all so uh that's what i'm thinking of today and that's my reminder for today thank you wow that's so true that's so true thank you stella yeah uh... I'll I'll just keep going. Hey Sarah, how are you? Uh, where are you? And uh, what are your thoughts in regards to this entire conversation? Okay, uh, we'll come back to you later, Sarah. Uh, if you if you are not able to get to your microphone now, we'll go to Jamin. Jamin, how are you doing? 
And what are your thoughts in regards to the proverb and any comments to our guest is also welcome. Thank you so much. Hey, greetings, greetings, village. Can you hear me clearly, Simon? So clearly. Thank you so much. Right. Um, it's a good breakfast conversation. Um, I didn't enter the room at the beginning, but I think um, Her Majesty's name is Queen. Um, I hope I'm saying it right. It's a very um, encouraging conversation you're having with the VP of Citibank. I hope I am correct. As I said, I didn't enter the room at the beginning, but it's a very interesting and family, you know, oriented kind of conversation. You know, it's not just about a, a woman or a, a lady um, corporate leader, but, you know, a philanthropist, you know, a mentor, a coach, a mother, you know, and a human being. So those are some of the character I think, um, you know, you know, elevating are coming at me from the conversation. So, you know, it's a good, it's a good piece. You know, it's uplifting to hear, you know, that this morning. So give thanks for that and for um, Queen and her family and more prosperity, more success, you know, in your personal and professional, you know, endeavors. All right, now discussing the proverbs for the day. Even the lion, the king of the forest, protects himself against flies. I don't really know if I would be on the right path in and how I'm interpreting it, but the good thing about the proverbs is that all interpretations are correct. Um, I don't know, I guess I look like everything that everyone already says about, you know, having, you know, looking at small, small things and that small things do add up. You know, even a fly have some value. You know, you can perplex the king. So also in Jamaica, there is a proverb that say, small acts, you know, chop big tree. You know, even Bob Marley have a song. You think you are a small axe. We will chop you down. We will chop you down. If you are a big tree, I am a small axe. So that is my interpretation, you know, no matter how small or insignificant a thing may be, you know, you can make, you know, gradual impact or you can create even a big impact. So that is just my thought, you know, from the Proverbs. All right. Thank you, Simon. Thank you. Thank you so much, my brother. I'm, I'm just so grateful, uh, you know, for your contribution. I wish everybody used their microphone the way you do, though. You sounded so clear. <laughs> You sounded like you're right here with me, you know. Queen, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, no, that was super, super clear. Yeah, uh, so, so Queen, take a moment, reflect on everything that you heard from our wonderful friends and family that joined us. I want to quickly, before you do that, give a shout out to, to Taleni, my brother from Namibia who just joined us. Hayes, thank you for being here and MK and Richmo and Mag, thank you all for being here. And also to everyone on YouTube, I see, uh, you know, my brother Sambaza podcast has joined us. Thank you so much. Queen, go ahead and uh, just reflect. And then remember to let us know, you know, uh, how can we stay connected with you? How can we support the amazing work that you do, uh, you know, right after you reflect on everything you had? Awesome. Thank you. I heard the, I mean, the village has spoken. 
um, the two of my sisters talked about the mental health aspect from the proverb, right? Taking care of our mental health and being vigilant and making sure that we do not ignore that piece uh, of us. And then I think uh, the other brother spoke about uh, little things do add up, which is so true. Um, it could be small things, but then they have huge impact as as it piles up, whether it's like the brick to be able to build a big house or whether it's like a pack of flies that are now having their nest or whatever or laying their eggs. So that's really powerful. And I love the last one that talked about um, little acts can break, uh, can take down big trees, you know, and that is so true. And so to sum up everybody's, I feel like, you know, with flies, they have access that maybe a cat might not have. They have the ability to fly. They can get in areas, if you think about our lives, in areas that other bigger animals don't have access to. And we need to be vigilant um, because of their size and their ability and their quickness. We need to be vigilant to address those things. I've actually seen videos of lions jumping in water just to get away from flies, you know? So it's, it's just one of those things that if you don't take care of those small things and um, make sure that you're catching those small things, uh, like my brother said, they're going to become bigger things in the future. So that's, that's my summary of everyone that spoke today. And thank you for the kind yeah. words too, as well. Yeah, that's, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I do want to just quickly give Rich more a chance to also say something. Mm -hmm. uh, Joseph Kafunda, thank you for being here. Uh, hey, Rich, go ahead and uh, share your perspectives. Hey, Simon and everybody else. Uh, great morning from where I am in uh, Maryland. And uh, depending on where you are, good afternoon, good evening, and good morning. Uh, I think I walked in a bit late in the session, but uh, just great to be in this space, listening in great inspiration on how we can always uh, not forget our humble beginnings from uh, the host today, uh, the guest today, and uh, just to aspire to to be, you know, to be a, the better version of uh, us each day. Um, but for now, I'll just uh, say those words and appreciate uh, the room and the flow. Appreciate it, Simon. Thanks. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much. Hey, Queen, uh, you know, I know that you have a great job now, but you still have open seat. You still have stuff you're doing in the community. And I want people to support the work that you do. And I want people to stay connected with you. How can we do that? Yes, um, maybe on Instagram. I think I'm Queen Kset, And then I do have an open seat page as well as just open seat at open seat on Instagram. And I do have a website where it's Queen K. Smith. That's for like my speaking engagement. Um, like I stated too, we had paused OpenSeed because of COVID and because part of our core was the face-to-face -face interaction and I just couldn't let that go. So now we are about to pick back up, but it's going to be even more, more intimate. I'm going to do it in my backyard, uh, just like my father used to do it in Cameroon. And this time my husband is going to be involved. And that's the aspect that I was talking about. So maybe now men can come, uh, <laughs> and not just women. So it's actually going to be in our backyard. But we also want to shift from not just community, but also culture, right? 
Uh, so when people do come to visit us in this intimate environment in our home, in our backyard, I'm going to make Cameroonian food. And then we're going to share stories. So it's going to be like a culture and experience aspect to the storytelling that happens. So um, that's what I have to look forward to. And I have this deep desire that I don't share a lot. It's film. And so I want to see how I can try to film some of those sessions, those open sea backyard sessions. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I love films and I love documentaries. Uh, so I'm actually trying to take some film classes now so that I can be good at it, not just halfway. Um, so if you're ever in the Dallas area, you want to come eat Cameroonian food in my backyard, you're welcome to. Uh, so that's one way that you can support because I love people and I love communities and I love uh, people from different walks of life would love to host you in any way. It doesn't cost money. It's all about experience and building uh, support. Um, as far as career wise, I'm a city right now, but long term, I want to do some work back in the continent. It doesn't matter where, it doesn't have to be Cameroon. And uh, so far, I don't have like a lot of connections back home. Um, I just feel like there's so many things that I can do in the delivery space back home, not just tech, because at Deloitte, I work for an, I work with an HR company as a people ops coach. So um, Agile is not only for tech, um, I can do that anywhere. So now I'm started an LLC, created an LLC in the future. I would love to see how I can partner with people, um, my brothers and sisters back home to just support, not to go in as an expert, but I feel like people back home already have the skills and I'm just there to support and continue to lift them up at what they're already doing. So that's one of the things that I dream about constantly. And, but I don't have the blueprint yet, but in everything in life, as you just heard my story, something always happens, right? And it's always unconventional. Uh, I'm not a blueprint person that it's just, it just happens. So just wanted to put that out there because you never know who's listening. You so, never know, yeah. you never know, you never know. I definitely uh, have so many reasons to, you know, hit you up. So, you know, expect my email, expect my Instagram DM and phone calls. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much, Queen. And uh, thank you to everyone who uh, listened to the show today. Uh, or watched the show today uh, and also remember that today Black Panther is out, Black Panther 2 you know, so uh, get out there in your best regalia and just enjoy the movie and stay safe, you know uh, we will be back next week, Monday to Friday, 6am Pacific Standard Time and uh, my hope is that we continue bringing you meaningful conversations with uh, with brothers and sisters like Queen who are doing incredible work in the world. Uh, again, Queen, thank you again for choosing to support this show and choosing to support a lot of the initiatives that I have, you know, I have been spearheading. It's really, really, uh, that's the fuel that I need, you know, that's the mm -hmm. fuel that I need. And uh, I'm just so lucky that I get to learn more about you in this way. So have a nice weekend. Thank you. It's an honor. And Simon, I really mean it when I say we're all going to work for you one day. Thank you. I have made great connections through you. And I love everything that you're doing because you're a gatherer. It's almost like a chief, right? 
like like a chief in a village. So thank you. It's an honor. And I don't say it. I don't use my words lightly. Thank you. Of course. Of course. Thank you so much. Uh, have a nice weekend. <laughs> you too. Okay. Take care. African father in America. You are listening to African Father in America podcast by Simon Java.